Good morning, everyone. Let's just uh, bow for a moment in prayer. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. Amen. Well, for those of you who braved the elements on the Sunday before Christmas for our um, Christ, uh, Christmas according to uh, the Gospel according to Christmas, um, please rest assured this morning that uh, I'm back in home territory in preaching from the New Testament, and there will be absolutely no singing from me. Uh, so if any of you are tempted at this point to find, a, uh, find your way out, uh, please rest assured. This morning, um, seeing as how we'll all be back in our routines after the holiday period come Tuesday at work or wherever, I thought I'd, we'd just reflect a little bit uh, on what we can take from the Christmas message out into the world at the start of uh, a new year. During 2010, there was an old song which made it big again. It was featured on TV programs like Glee and The X Factor. Now, first of all, let me say, I've only heard about these programs because I've read about them. Uh, and Steve Stockman mentions them. Um, but the song was called Don't Stop Believing." Anybody know this song? Okay, okay, pretty good. Yes, you're all, you're all pretty well tuned in. The song was a, a hit in the US back in 1982 for a group called Journey. Now, it was written when the band were struggling and they were just making no money at all. One of the group actually had come to LA to make his fortune and he would call home frequently. And every time he called, you know, struggling, his dad heard the despair in his voice. His dad would say to him, don't stop believing or you're done, dude. So out of that sentiment came the song. And it's a typically 1980s power ballad where you, it's, it's a story of young people going through some hard times. And it seems to go on and on and on until all the tension's released right at the end in the, uh, the chorus which contains the immortal line, don't stop believing. So if you're gonna get through all you're going through, you just gotta push through a little bit more You've just got to hold on to the dream. You've just got to keep on believing. In many ways, it's a typically American story. But it's interesting that since it was first a hit back in 1982, the song has kept reappearing, even though uh, the original group has long since split up. And last year, it just seemed to be everywhere, actually, as a new generation latched on to Don't Stop Believing. There's something, it seems, about the, the song and the sentiment which seems to be important for people. Clearly, we live in a world that is obsessed with celebrity, making it into the public eye, being noticed, being an entertainer, being successful. Everybody wants their 15 minutes of fame. And if we can't be that celebrity, then we want to latch on to some other celebrity and live vicariously through them. So don't stop believing. You can still make it, the dream can still come true. It's the need actually, I think, for personal significance, for your life to mean something. Maybe that's something that's part of being human, something that's good and right, but it somehow gets twisted and warped by the popular culture around us. Don't stop believing certainly fits the spirit of the age, but maybe the appeal is a bit more than that. There's something in all of us 
that yearns for something more, something better up ahead, that hopes for the future, that somehow I could be a part of making the future better. All of us, I think, in our, at least in our better moments, feel something like that. Don't stop believing is something I think that has universal appeal. For many of us, I think the idea that there is hope, that there is a better future, has taken a bit of a knock in the past year. For many of us, 2010 was one of the most difficult years ever, and this past week has reminded us keenly of that. For me personally, I struggled last year with back pain, death of, a, of my mother, and more besides, actually. And I know that many people here in Fitzroy have had to deal with serious illness, problems with aging parents, problems with children, bereavement, and so on. This past year has also been a difficult year in global terms. Across the world, we, we saw a devastating earthquake in Haiti, which took a terrible human toll, awful flooding in Pakistan, causing death, disease, homelessness, an oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico, problems for environmental damage and problems for people who lived off the coastline. We've seen ever more carnage and bloodshed in Afghanistan, and tensions rise between North and South Korea. And there is seemingly no end to the numbers of people in the world going to bed hungry every evening. Closer to home, the UK economy has limped along. We've, locally here, we've seen the public sector retract, business and retreat, people laid off work. We've seen the Irish economy tank with significant repercussions for people in the public sector, the private sector, and on both sides of the border. So we might be excused this morning for looking at our own personal circumstances and the state of the world and say, don't stop believing. What's the point? Perhaps more than ever this morning, we need to hear the reality of the words that Stephen read in Isaiah. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. What we need just now more than ever is someone to shoulder the burden, somebody to pick up all our own problems and the problems of the world and to carry them for us. And it's obvious that nobody locally or globally has the slightest idea to address, let alone solve, the multiple crises that the world is facing. Here in Northern Ireland, for the most part, our politicians really can't seem to get beyond their narrow sectarian worldviews. In the UK, we got rid of one government which seemed unable to get to grips with the economic problems, replaced it with another which seemed to offer something new, something fresh, only to see the cracks beginning to appear. Globally, the banking and economic problems, which just seem to get worse and worse. And despite the icy blasts and the snowy conditions of the last couple of weeks, climate change is still a looming problem. Things are in a mess, and it's all too clear that we need something new, we need something fresh. Into this chaotic, suffering world with its hopes dashed time after time, comes the Christmas message that we have just been celebrating. A message that declares that the shoulder of the child born that Christmas night in Bethlehem was the shoulder 
to take the weight of the world's problems and the government of the world. It's a shoulder for our own individual problems. It's also a shoulder for the world. We put our trust in all sorts of things. We trust in the advance of new technology. We trust sometimes in the panacea of retail therapy. Sometimes, sometimes even we trust our politicians. But time and time again, it seems like we get let down. Things seem as bleak as ever. There seems no point in the words of our song, don't stop believing. Again comes Isaiah's words, those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. When we consider our own problems, problems of the world, we might be said to be those who have lived in a land of deep darkness, but it's not the end of the story for ourselves or for the world. As Isaiah says, the light has shined. Unto us a child has been born. There's something always cheerful and hopeful, isn't there, about a new baby. Now I know it isn't quite the same, but the Burnett's got a new puppy this Christmas. <clears throat> now there's two things about puppy. Puppies, uh, it's a long time since we've had a puppy actually and I'd kind of forgotten um, what it was like. First of all, they turn everything absolutely upside down. And secondly, they also just bring a little bit of life, some spark into your family. And of course, it's infinitely more true when uh, the new arrival is a new baby, and some of you have had that joy over the past year. There's something about a new baby that brings a smile, brings hope, that speaks of possibilities for the future. Unto us a child is born. There is the hope and the possibility for the future, all resting on this tiny baby, born in the most inauspicious circumstances, in the most lowly economically challenged circumstances. And here is the thing that turns our lives and the life of the world completely upside down. This baby more than any other baby, because this baby is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the Prince of Peace. Listen again to Isaiah's amazing words. His authority shall grow continually. There shall be endless peace from the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness. Can it be true? Could there be peace? Can there be justice? Can there be righteousness? Is there hope? The answer to that is a resounding yes from St. Paul in Colossians 1. There is hope. It's the hope of the good news of the baby whose birth we've just been celebrating, which he says is proclaimed to every creature under heaven. There's such a certainty about this hope, says Paul, that we are to continually, continue securely established and steadfast in the faith. In other words, in the words of our song, Paul urges us this morning to keep on believing. Remember what Paul said in Romans 4 when he has this long discussion about the father of faith, Abraham. Abraham, he says, hoping against hope, held on to God's promises. He did not weaken in faith when he considered the evidence around him, which seemed to contradict his faith. When he thought about how old he was and he and his wife's inability to conceive, he didn't waver concerning the promise of God. He was convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. 
The ancient prophecies of Israel spoke of a coming royal king from David's line as the king not just of Israel, but of not just of one small country, but of the whole world. And in Luke's account of Jesus' birth, he explains to us, in fact, how all that came to pass. Joseph, Luke says, is of the house of David. The angels hail the baby as born in the city of David, counter to all the hard physical evidence of a stable and an announcement to poverty-stricken shepherds, this baby is royalty. This baby is the Prince of Peace. On earth be peace, sing the heavenly messengers. Joy to the world. In a world that's ruled by the rod of Rome, by a Caesar who proclaimed himself divine, into the world of this Caesar Augustus, at the time when Caesar's governor in the Roman province of Syria was Cyrenius, God enters the world as a tiny baby, hailed as the Messiah by the angels. Messiah is a word that's usually translated in our Bibles as Christ. It's a Hebrew word which means God's anointed. It's a royal title for the one that God would send to usher in the new day of God's reign on the earth. He's also, say the angels, Lord and Savior. Interestingly, both terms that the Roman emperor used of himself, as also was the word that the angels used when they said they brought good news. The emperor's propaganda was that he brought good news to his conquered lands and his peoples. The blessings of Roman rule, justitia, justice, pax, peace. Oh yes, and a few taxes to pay as well. Luke's story is set in a world claimed by Caesar and taxed by Caesar, the world where the rich get rich at the expense of the poor while telling them that they are giving them freedom, justice, and peace. Maybe that sounds a little bit familiar. This is the propaganda of all empires from Jesus' day until our own. But Luke's story undermines the Roman Empire story with the explosive news of a different empire, a different emperor, in fact, a different kind of emperor. Jesus isn't just another politician on whom we put our hopes and then they're dashed. His way of establishing God's justice and peace on the earth was different to Caesar's, different to the usual violence, different to the usual power games, different to the usual economic games. Remember what Jesus said to Pilate in John's gospel. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. And he didn't mean by that that it was simply spiritual and interior and psychological. Read the whole verse. Jesus says, if it were of this world, my followers would have taken up arms. My kingdom, says Jesus, is not like yours, Pilate. It's not based on violence, self-promotion, wealth grasping. It's of a completely different character altogether. In Jesus, we have a different way of doing government, of doing politics, of doing economics, of doing culture, of doing society, of doing life. This is the very heart of the Christmas message unto us. A child is born, a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Christmas is all about the coming of the world's true king, the one who stops wars, who forgives debts, who establishes true justice and judgment in the earth. People who dwelled in darkness have seen a great light. There will be no end to the wonderful, peaceful rule of the king. Like Abraham, we can look at our lives, at the life of the world this morning. We can be tempted to waver in our faith, to simply buy into the lie that the way things are are the way things always will be. The 
Christmas message declares something different this morning, that the saviour of the world is born, the prince of peace has arrived, and that in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and that through the death and resurrection of this Messiah, God is in the process of reconciling all things to himself because a son has been given. Because a child has been born, there is hope. The world has changed. Dare we believe that? Or do we simply look at the evidence before our eyes of the injustice, the lack of peace that's around us, waver in our faith, simply be realists and give up or maybe retreat into a privatized spirituality? The New Testament shows us a, an alternative way to live, to be human. Paul points us to the new underlying reality which exists because of the coming of Christ. The fullness of the reign of Christ for Paul, yes, was yet to come. But yes, in a very real sense, has already arrived. He sets out his vision for this new reality in passages like Colossians 1 that we read this morning, um, uh, uh, Philippians 2, Ephesians 1. Christ even now is Lord of all, and there is hope. There are new possibilities. There is, he says in 2 Corinthians, a new creation already established in the world. The government shall be upon his shoulders. This is the good news of the gospel. Christ's authority and government does not come through force, coercion, violence. It comes through humans like us being reborn and healed and following him in the task of demonstrating how his kingdom works in the world. Jesus, of course, himself demonstrated this when he was uh, on the earth. It was about loving your enemies, pursuing justice, denying yourself, putting the interests of others ahead of your own. This is what it looks like, Jesus' life and words say. When God is running things, the world gets turned the right way up. It all perhaps looks foolish, looks unworkable, looks upside down. The reality is that it puts things the right way up because it puts things God's way. As Jesus' people, we are called to live in this countercultural way, to show the world what things look like when God runs things. That's why justice is such a fundamental element of our faith. It's not just something to think about when somebody gives us a tear fund petition to sign. It's got to be something we try to build into the very fabric of our lives as individuals, as a church. God was in Christ reconciling and reordering our world, renewing it, remaking it, and he is in us too, and calling us to reorder his world according to his ways of justice and compassion and peace. For each of us this morning, wherever we operate, whether it's in academia, in schools, in the public sector, in healthcare, in the media, in business, in the factory, in political parties, we each have the responsibility to live out this new way of life that Jesus showed and brings, and to speak wherever possible for love, for compassion, for justice, for dignity, for the poor, for the oppressed. Yes, we look forward to the day when the authority of the Prince of Peace is acknowledged by the whole world 
As Paul says, when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. But for now, we are called to anticipate this coming kingdom, to plant the mustard seeds of the kingdom in our individual lives, in our jobs, in our homes, and as far as it lies within our power in society, in the wider world. Isaiah, Luke, Paul, all point to a new hope for the world, one that does not depend on coercion or selfishness or economic oppression, but one which has burst into the world in the baby of Bethlehem. There is hope for ourselves, for our communities, for the world. As we look out this morning towards a new year, God's call to us is to look back at the baby of Bethlehem, see the hope and the promise that that brings, to not waver in our faith because of all the things that we see are wrong, not to live in discouragement and negativity, rather to grow strong in our faith, give glory to God, continue to believe that through our kingdom lives of love, of justice, of compassion, that we can make a difference, that the world can change, that our lives can take on real significance. Here is the answer that we're all looking for, for what our popular culture is just the merest, faintest shadow of. It's found in participating in the hope of the baby of Bethlehem, the Almighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Here truly are grounds for our song's chorus, Don't Stop Believing. As we face whatever comes our way this year, let us continue securely established and steadfast in the faith without shifting from the hope promised by the gospel that you heard. Don't stop believing.